On today's episode of I Believe Now What, we are going to go over Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 2 and just really talk about what an amazing statement this is and what this means for us today. Well, anyways, hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, everybody. My name's Tim Perko, and you're listening to I Believe Now What? Hey, what's going on, everybody? I hope you're having a wonderful one out there. If this is your first time listening, I Believe Now What is a podcast that is directed towards exactly that, figuring out and talking about that now what. We go over doctrine, Bible studies, topical studies, anything relevant to the Christian walk of life. We want to talk about it. And today we're doing one of the Bible study ones. And if you heard from the intro, Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 2, and what type of impact that that has on us today. This is one of my favorite passages in scriptures. It's also one of the first passages that was really front and center in one of the very first sermons I had ever preached, uh, which really wasn't all that long ago. It was like three years ago. But (laughs) So with today's episode, let's go ahead and dive into it. Number one, two, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, anything like that, By all means, you can find us on Facebook, you can find us on Twitter, uh, you can email us at ibnwpodcast at gmail.com. Without any further delay, and there's an airplane going over, so I'm going to pause this, we're going to go ahead and jump into this scripture. And with the wonderful gift of editing, the airplane has now passed, and you obviously maybe didn't even notice it, so I don't know why I'm talking about it, but let's go ahead and dive into this scripture. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's go ahead and pray before we jump in. Dear Lord, Thank you so much for everything that you do, and I just pray that this message reaches whoever you want it to reach, Lord, and that it edifies whoever you want it to edify, uh, all for your glory, God. Thank you so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Your will alone. Amen. So if you were to ask people today what they might consider worship, you're going to get a variety of different answers. You're going to hear some people say, oh, well, it's music. It's song. It's what we do before the preaching at the church. Some people might say, well, it's going to church. Others may say it's listening to a sermon. But praise God, we do not have to guess at what this is, nor do we have to try to make up our own definitions, because our main passage, this main passage that we're talking about here, shows us exactly what true worship is and also defines it. Sadly, many people have this belief, and this is growing very, very relevant in our world today with modern-day Christianity, and that is they can define whatever they believe worship is. If they call it worship, then it's worship, rather than what God defines it as worship. I've run into these people on the internet. If you didn't know, I, I have a ministry on TikTok called Saved by the Savior, and I ran across one of these people, and they told me that they can define worship essentially whatever they want it to be. And sadly, that's not the case. I mean, no, I'm glad it's not the case, because God clearly defines what worship is supposed to be. We don't have to guess. We don't have to put our own definitions, because the Bible says exactly the way it needs to be, and this is how God defines worship. 
Throughout the Bible, we can actually see examples of this, of God rejecting the worship of different people who did not prescribe to the way that he intended it. Uh, You can see this all the way back in the Old Testament. I'll give you an example. Genesis chapter 4. This is where Cain, Cain and Abel, if you're familiar with the story, Cain tried to offer to God his own form of worship, his own sacrifice, instead of what God actually wanted. And I'll read it to you. Genesis chapter 4, starting at verse 3. So it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought the firstlings of his flock and of, and of their fatted portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you, but you must master it. Those are some really good words right there. So let's look at essentially what happened. Cain and Abel, brothers, sons to Adam and Eve. Cain brought up his offering, which was the fruits of the field. This was work of his labor. And this has some meanings behind it. You know, Cain was trying to work for his offering and work this up. Abel, though... He raised, you know, various animals. I don't know what exactly uh, it was, but it says the firstlings of his flock and their fatted portions. And he offered this to God, uh, an animal sacrifice, essentially. And God accepted that. And this, this is also a foreshadowing of Christ, by the way, that we cannot get into heaven based upon our works like Cain was trying to do, essentially, with his works of tilling the ground up, but rather that we get into heaven through blood, a blood sacrifice of something clean and innocent, and that's Jesus. But anyways, we can go off on that subject on another day. But essentially what we do see here is God rejected Cain's offering of worship and accepted Abel's. And in Cain, instead of, you know, doing what the Lord told him to do, he got angry about it. He didn't want to prescribe to it. And he ended up killing his brother later on. Hopefully that wasn't a spoiler story if you've never read through that story. But that's what happens. All Cain had to do was change his offering to God and all would have been better. But instead his pride and jealousy took over and killed his brother because of it. If you go to the book of Leviticus, chapter 10, verses 1 through 3, we can see in another example. And these are the sons of Aaron. If you don't know who Aaron is, Aaron is Moses' brother. Moses, the person who was responsible for leading the people out of Egypt. And this is what it says here. It says, Now Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans, and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it, and offered a strange fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. And the fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. And then Moses said to Aaron, Is this what the Lord spoke, saying, By those who come near me, I will be treated as holy, and before all people, I will be honored. So, a little background on this story. There was some alcohol involved as well, but what happened was Nadab and Abihu did not offer to God what was prescribed by God. God, in this separate passage, said exactly what he wanted the burnt offerings to be and listed it all out in great detail. Nahab and Abihu didn't want to follow this. 
They followed what they wanted to do, what they thought was pleasing to God. And praise the Lord, he doesn't work like this anymore, at least not that I've seen or know of. And he ended up killing them because of it. The, the, the fire came out, it says, the, and it consumed them. And then Moses' words are very key here, what Moses said to Aaron. He said, It is what the Lord had spoke, saying, By those who are near me, I will be treated as holy. So what God is saying with this, and hopefully I'm not putting words in God's mouth or anything, but essentially, God defines what is holy, not us. We don't decide what is right and holy before God. God decides that for himself, and then we listen. This is is the same in regards to our worship. So Aaron's sons offered this strange fire, their own form of worship that God did not prescribe, and it resulted in their death. You can also see other passages in the book of Malachi. That's a great one. The priests were offering improper sacrifices in Malachi chapter 1, and you can read exactly how the Lord felt about that, and I promise you it was not good. You also see Other passages in Malachi where the chiefs were coming before God trying to offer their own form of worship, but they were living a very sinful life, and God was rejecting their worship. That's another thing that that plays into the main passage that we're talking about. Now, the reason why it's so relevant for us today is because churches out there are presenting the gospel in this manner, talking about how whatever you call worship, it is worship. They may not directly say this with the words, but it happens— as they preach 100% on grace, but zero about the holiness of God, the attributes of God, the wrath of God, all these other things, how God is to be treated holy. How can we as unclean creatures, and obviously Christ and his sacrifice makes us clean, but how can we, with our body, our flesh, still tainted by sin, even though our soul, our spirit is washed clean, our flesh still wants to sin. Paul's very clear about that in Romans chapter 7. How can we determine what we decide is best for God? It's God who determines what is best for him, not something that we can create in our own mind. Sadly, once again, these churches will preach all grace but no change, forgiveness without repentance. In other words, they leave out the one, one of the results of God's grace in saving us, and that is a changed life, a changed life. And that changed life results in understanding the holiness of God. When you read your Bible and you read these passages, I've said it before because this can get twisted really bad. Uh, One of my favorite passages is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. But sadly, many people stop at verse 9 and they'll never know what verse 10 says, but verse 10 completes it. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith and not of yourself. It is the gift of God not a result of works, so that no one may boast. So we know we're saved by grace. We know we're saved through faith. Those are all gifts of God. None of it came from us. But it doesn't end there. Verse 10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. In other words, if you are a Christian, if you are professing Christ as Lord, you are going to walk in the good works that God has prepared for beforehand for you. Part of that is good, holy, acceptable worship. And once again, I want to be very clear because people will twist that and they'll try to say that, oh, you're talking a works-based salvation. I'm not. 
Works come after salvation. We are saved unto good works, not by good works. Our works outside of God are filthy rags. There are no good works that we can do before God without Christ. Now, there's two main points that I'm really going to try to convey during this entire message, and we're well into it. Number one, true worship is defined in dedicating our life to God. And number two, true salvation will result in a changed life. Now, obviously, a changed life works in different ways and different times for different people. I don't want you to think that it's some magical incantation or spell and that everybody's going to be the exact same and have, you know, grow at the same rates. No, we all grow at different rates, but we all finish the race at the same time, essentially, <laughs> if you get what I'm saying. Some people will hear that. Some people, let me just give you an example. Some people will hear the gospel. They'll believe, and instantly they will execute an about-face to their life of sin. Others, it may take much longer. They may turn and will be changed little by little over time. But the fact of the matter is, is we will be changed. Nobody becomes a Christian, and if it's real, they'll never sit there in the same state that they were when they were called. They will never sit there and essentially continue living a life of sin. They will be changed, and through that change, they will be a new creation, a new creature in Christ Jesus, and their works will be the fruit of that. God is powerful enough to change you. It's not simply believe and then nothing's going to happen. It's believe and God will change you, and you will continue to grow in grace and knowledge and continue being more conformed into the image of Christ Jesus, just as it says in Romans chapter 8. Now, with this context set, I want to go ahead and dive into this passage a little bit more. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 2, and use some examples that Paul sets forth in chapter 12. Because one of the beauties in this chapter, Paul not only defines what worship is in the first two verses, he gives us examples throughout the rest of it. And I highly encourage you, because we're not going to go over them all, but I highly encourage you to read this entire chapter on your own and study it. One, because you have no idea who I am unless you actually know me. <laughs> so who knows if I'm telling you the truth? Verify it. Make sure it's correct. And number two, it's just good to study this on your own for your own edification, letting the Spirit do what the Spirit does when you're just alone with the Word of God. Now that this context is set, let's go ahead and dive into this. And don't mind my chair. It's a little creaky. I'm in the market for a new one. It's just, you know... Computer chairs are very, very expensive. But anyways, digressing on. The very first word that we are going to come across is the word therefore. Now, if you know me, you know exactly what I'm going to say next. Whenever we see the word therefore, we need to read before. So what's the therefore there for? <laughs> oh my gosh, I did it. Anyways, the therefore is there because of the amazing doxology that Paul gave at the end of chapter 11. If you don't know what a doxology is, it's just a liturgical way of praising God or a way of expressing your praise to God. So Paul gives this amazing praise to God at the end of chapter 11 and then adds on, therefore, because of all these praises and because God is so amazing and God is so awesome, since God gives us grace, since we now have no condemnation in Christ, do what I'm telling you to do now. 
So therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Now, a few things to take away from here. Number one, he uses the word brethren, which means he's talking to fellow Christians, fellow brothers and sisters, fellow believers. Number two, by the mercies of God. This is referring to the very fact that because God has shown us mercy, we should do what is being told to us here. Number three, present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And I want to emphasize on the word living, meaning since we are now alive from the dead, we are alive in Christ Jesus, our lives should be in total dedication to the Lord. Our life as a Christian should not start on Sunday at 11 a.m. or 10 a.m. or 9 a.m. whenever you start church and end once we walk out that church door, but rather we should be living that life, our dedication, the rest of our lives. Our lives should be a sacrifice to God. We don't do this to get saved, mind you, but rather we do this because we are saved. It's the same way as works. We don't do works to get saved. We, get, we do works because we are saved. John Piper, if you don't know who he is, he's a Baptist pastor out of Minnesota. He once wrote a book called Don't Waste Your Life on this very subject. Highly encourage you to read it. And in the cover sleeve of that book, it is written... The American dream beckons people to spend their lives on trivial diversion, slipping through life, caught up with, this, with seeking success, comfort, and pleasure above all else. But God designed people for more than this. In other words, Piper here, and this is me talking now, in other words, Piper was making his claim that many people in our country, America, and I understand we do have more people than just people in America listening, and, and I want to thank you for that. I noticed, looked up some of the stats, people from South Africa, people from Canada, people from Australia, Ireland listening in, Scotland, I've seen uh, the UK. Thank you so much for listening, uh, and, I, and I'm sorry if I use so much American references, by the way, just because I'm here and it's very easy for me to do it. If you ever get a chance, write in, talk to us about what's going on in your area. Anyways, now that that ADHD scroll moment's over... Let's go ahead and jump back in. In this book, Piper is making the claim that people in our country, instead of using our freedoms to pursue God and his pleasure, which is being a living sacrifice, people would rather just work most of their adult life, earn money, retire, and have a comfy end of their life. This type of thing is, is honestly reinforced by the unbelieving world. And they make up these sayings like, you only live once, or YOLO for short. I think we all remember when that was going on. In other words, meaning you only have one life. You might as well do whatever you want to please yourself. And, and honestly, it's very sad because that's not how we should look at our life. Specifically, like Piper was trying to make in this book, the American dream is a sham. Work your whole life so you can retire what do you have to show God before that? And he actually has an amazing sermon on this. It's one of the greatest sermons I've ever seen, where he essentially draws out a, a couple who works their whole life, goes down to Florida, retires, and then they just walk the beach and collect seashells sea the last 10 years of their life. And what are they going to show God when they get to heaven? Look, Lord, my, my seashell collection. How is that a living sacrifice to God? Now, Next thing I want to take note of, look at the verse that's, where it says acceptable to God. 
Meaning, just as we talked about earlier, we don't make up our own style of what we think honors God, but rather we honor God by what is acceptable to him and how he defines it. And to understand that, we have to be in prayer and in our Bible. That's how we stay in tune with what God wants, in prayer and in our Bible. To take another line from John Piper, swim in the Bible. Don't just let it collect dust on Sunday. And this is back to me talking now, but he said, swim in the Bible. And I'm telling you, don't let it collect dust until Sunday. We are blessed to have a Bible. We are blessed if you are living in a country that has a Bible. We are so blessed to have it. You have audio Bibles. You have random uh, different interpretations of the Bible, translations of the Bible that talk about it to make it more catered so that way you can read it and understand what is being said in it. Don't take that for granted because there's going to come a day where it's going to be hard to find these Bibles. Bibles, and you may not have one, and all you're going to have is your memory of those scriptures. So swim, as Piper said, swim in the Bible. Next, I, 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 I want to say everything that we just talked about, this is our spiritual service of worship. What is our spiritual service of worship? I promise you, it's not a psalm that we sing or a prayer that we make. Our spiritual service of worship is a living, it's living our life, honoring God by the way he prescribes it. Living our life, honoring God. That is a spiritual service of worship. It's not raising your hands on Sunday. It's not jumping up and down. It's not crying at all the psalms. It's not getting jazzed up by the, the, the lights that are going on in the church and all this other stuff. It is living a life honoring to God. It is so much more than what happens in between that hour, two hours, three hours that you're in church on Sunday or maybe Wednesday. It's a life honoring God. How do we achieve this? Well, verse 2 gives us that answer. He said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, don't look like the world. And most importantly, don't act like the world. I really love, uh, there, there's this translation called the J.B. Phillips trans. Uh, Bible in modern English. It's not a translation. It, it, that's a bad way to say it. It's a paraphrase. All right. He wrote this paraphrase of the Bible, and it, for this specific verse, and once again, I want to make clear that th that Bible, the New Testament in modern English by J.B. Phillips, it's not a Bible for studying, simply just for reading. It's broken in paragraph form. Uh, it's good just to sit down and read. I love the way he paraphrases this. He says, don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. But how? How do we do that? How do we do this? And that's, once again, answer in the verse, by being transformed through the renewing of your mind. The Greek word used here for ram, uh, renewing or uh, the renewing of your mind, transformed actually, sorry, the word transformed, the Greek word here is how we get the word metamorphosis. 
Your mind needs to go through a metamorphosis, a change. The same Greek word was used in Matthew when Jesus went to the Mount of Transfiguration, where he revealed his glory to James, Peter, and John. Our brain needs to go through a metamorphosis. It needs to completely change. And that's not something that we can do on our own. That's something that the Holy Spirit does in our life when he makes us a new creation in Christ Jesus. This is something that happens through the process of sanctification, how God, if you don't know what that is, that is God conforming you more and more into the image of Christ. You can read about that in Romans chapter 8. But more specifically, being that new creation, you can see this in 2 Corinthians 5.15. It says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Or you can talk about putting on the new man, as it says in Colossians 3.10. And I have put on the new man and put, have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. In other words, we are being conformed into the image of Christ through our sanctification, and that is transforming, metamorphosizing our new mind. And with that new mind, all throughout this, we can prove what the will of God is, back to our verse, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. See, God transforms our mind. The Holy Spirit transforms our mind. And that's how we can prove what the will of God is. That which is good and acceptable and perfect. It's so amazing. I had to say it again. And lastly, we're we're nearing the end of this episode. I just want to say as we close out, Paul gives us some examples of how we can actually put this to application. Not just words, but how we can put this in application. And and throughout the rest of the chapter. So once again, I'm, I'm, I'm briefly going to go over it, but this is something that you should really go over yourself. Uh, Some people have tabled this as the marks of a true Christian. So number one is faith. Number two is spiritual gifts. Uh, He labels them specifically here, prophecy, teaching, exhorting, uh, which is essentially effectively calling others to obey God, service, leading, giving, mercy. Those are all parts of spiritual gifts that he labels there. Uh, Number three, love. Number four, hating evil. Number five, hospitality, uh, hospitality, being a a hospitable person. Number six, blessing others and not cursing them. Number seven, not seeking to do harm to others or repaying evil with evil, but rather showing those people good. Now, these are all just some examples, and it's by no means an exhaustive list, but I think you get the idea. God will change us into a new creature, a new creation. And he, through the changing of our mind, we can prove what the will of God is. God defines what he declares as worship. And the way the Apostle Paul is writing it here is worship is the living sacrifice of our body, a life dedicated to God. And God will cause that change inside of you. If you don't know how to do this, this all happens throughout prayer and through reading your Bible. If you've never prayed to God, pray to God. I'm not going to tell you exactly what to pray because I'm not trying to make a spell out of it or something weird or crazy like that. 
but I would pray to God, God, change me. Make me more and more into your son's image. Make me hate the things that I don't want to do. Make me so disgusted with it. I never want to do it. I want to be a living sacrifice that honors you with everything that I do, Lord. Well, with all that being said, I hope this message edified you. I know this was kind of a short one. Uh, We're lining up for some more episodes coming up here. Uh, Essentially, I'm going to try to bring on more people now that I am able to do that. And if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I did move. uh, So I'm in a new state now. I got to get reacquainted. Uh, I'm in the military, if you didn't know that. So that's why I'm moving around all the time. And I got to get planted in new churches, but I have a lot of different people that I want to try to bring on, whether it's through phone calls or Zoom or something like that, onto these episodes that have some amazing stories to tell, and we can really dive into some awesome subjects instead of just hearing me ramble the entire time. But anyways, that's all I got for today. Thank you so much once again for listening. And if this has blessed you or edified you in any specific way, please reach out to us. Let us know. Hit us up on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or write us at ibnwpodcast at gmail.com. And even if it didn't, maybe you want to hear a specific subject, a specific topic talked about that's really pressing on you. Hit us up, write us, let us know. Thank you so much once again for listening, and I hope you have a blessed day.